You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. From the moment he said, let there be light, to his design of the different ecosystems, his plan for creation did not stop there. He created man, then he created woman. He created them in his image, designed to work out his will on the earth. And his plan was always for us to do his will. And we know that because when man fell, when Adam and Eve sinned that first time, he had a plan in place through his son Jesus to bring us through. And throughout the Old Testament, we see this happening over and over again where the Israelites would walk away from God and then he would gently guide them back. We have always had the opportunity to be a part of his plan. And then when Jesus came and died for our sins and he rose again on that third day, the reason that happened was because God wanted us to see that not only are we a part of his plan, but we also have an opportunity to have a personal relationship with our Father. And every time that maybe we, we steer away, we walk away from our first love, he says, come back to me, my child. The question that I want to ask today, that I want us to dive into today is this. Do we always have God in our plans? Since the future is unknown, every step forward is a step into the unknown. But go ahead and make the plans because failing to plan is planning to fail. But planning without praying is presumption. Let me say it another way. Planning for the future is good, but planning without including God is assuming we have all the information and are fully in control of the outcome. When God is actually the one who holds our future in the palm of his hands. How many of you have found yourself in a situation where you were for sure knew the outcome and that is not what happened? where you are at a, a moment of decision and you're like, man, I, this, is, this is where I'm going. This is, I know that when I end this day, I'm going to be in this new place and it's going to be awesome and then everything goes to poop. And um, it's terrible. That's because the future's not in our hands. The plans we'll be discussing today is not necessarily where you guys are going for lunch today, although I think it's very important, and I'm sorry if I just brought something up that you'll be thinking about. Come back. Um, Instead, we're going to be talking about the plans that we take that determine the course of our life. I will say, though, that if God is telling you to go to a specific place for lunch, you should probably do that because you don't know how that's going to determine the course of your life. Um, But the specific passage we're going to be looking at today speaks to merchants that are making business deals. So in my experience, I have found that people generally fall into two categories. And I know you're all looking up here and you're like, yeah, you have lots of experience, I can tell. Um, But these are my experiences, that we have those who are planners and make plans far in advance. And then we have those who make plans on the fly. So. For those of you, and some of you are might, you might be like one or the other, but, or both of them, but generally, raise your hand if you're ones that make plans in advance. Yeah, yeah, those are my friends. All right, now those of you who make plans on the fly, which ones are that? Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, you're calling her out. <laughs> I love that. So um, I actually typically would prefer to be one that makes plans in advance. When I'm at my healthiest, when I'm not um, anxiety-ridden, I'm really good at planning out my life. I can tell you my five-year plan today. But 
if the anxiety is real and it's laying heavy on my chest, if I'm nervous about what's going on tomorrow, if I'm nervous about my ability to do the thing, I'm going to wait until the very last possible second to make the plan and then just hope it works out. Um, and that I, you guys might be the same. It might be flip-flop depending on your personalities. But I think we generally fall in one of those two categories. So we've been in this series now um, on the book of James called Putting Your Faith into Work. And today we're going to be talking um, about plans from James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. So if you have an actual Bible, go ahead and flip there. Um, while we're going there, I let you know earlier I'm family ministries pastor, so I'm going to ask some Bible trivia to get us ready for this. So the Bible, if you have an answer, just call it out. You don't have to raise your hand. The Bible is div- uh, divided into two parts. What are those two parts? Good job. Uh, is James in the Old or the New Testament? Good job. Okay, this one's really hard. Who wrote the book of James? And who's James? Brother of Jesus. Good job. It's like you guys have been going through this book and you know some things about the Bible. I love it. So James wrote the book to Jewish Christians residing in Gentile communities to move them from just talking the talk to walking the walk. So let's see what it looks like to walk out our faith and our plans. Let's read James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 together. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. James just dropped a lot of truth bombs. Let's uh, dive a little bit deeper into this passage. My hope for us today is that we're going to walk away with a hope for the future and excited and empowered to invite God into all that we do. James is addressing a very well-laid plan here in verse 14. It says, it's a, a starting time is arranged, right? The city has been selected, but notice God is not mentioned in those plans. This well-laid plan has written out. Let's look at 14 again real quick. It says, yeah, we do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We do not know the future. Everything could change in an instant. Something that I think we have all discovered in the last year and a half. Plans, we make plans and then they get canceled. And actually, um, you guys all, I'm sure, feel my pain. I was supposed to go to a, uh, what is that called? A music concert a concert um in november and they just canceled it until next year i was so looking forward to it uh but it'll be fine i'll be looking forward to next year too and now i don't have to pay for it because it's already paid for but we all know what it's like for things to get canceled and plans to change quickly well so the summer after my senior year of college i had it completely planned out the plan was to graduate go on a missions trip to madrid and then spend the summer in North Dakota, 
at my college working there. And then I was going to move to Arizona and get a job in Arizona. That was the whole plan. I had it laid out. But you know what? God's plans were very different than my plans. Instead, what happened was I was, uh, went to my trip in Madrid. Um, highly recommend Europe and Spain. It's very beautiful land, um, very beautiful buildings. The people are so kind. The food is amazing. But while I was there, we were, I was, the Lord was just revealing so much about myself and the way that he created me. He was revealing so much about himself and about the people and what it means to tell others about Jesus. I was learning so much. And while there, I get an email from my boss. And by crazy circumstances, my original boss who had hired me to work the summer quit. And the person that took over said, we don't have money in the budget for you anymore. So you need to find something else to do this summer. That was my last experience in my college. It was very frustrating. And so I go home, and all of my stuff is in North Dakota waiting for me to move in with a friend. We were going to room together. I'm like, what do I do now? So I pick up all my stuff, and I drive it back home to Iowa, and now I'm stuck at home where I didn't want to be for a full summer. And God really showed me something different that he had in plan for me. You know, my plans were this, and he's like, let me show you, Kate, what I really have in store for you. You see, uh, this is our first point. We do not know the future, but God does. You see, I was so mad until I realized that the future was not mine to determine or mine to define what its success will look like. What I ended up doing that summer is I worked, um, I didn't get a job. It was a step of faith. I felt like God was asking me not to work because I'm really good at working hard to a fault. Um, I'm really good at hustling. And he's like, don't work, just stay at home. So I actually made money um, selling plasma. (laughs) And that's how I paid my bills. And then my parents let me stay at their house and I ate from them. So, So I was able to survive the summer. Instead, what I did is I worked at my home church, the church I grew up at. And the experience was unlike any other. Um, The pastor there, he was uh, just started um, like the summer before. And he was in the middle of like rebranding the church and renaming it. And I was able to be a part of the plans. And I learned so much that I've been able to apply since then. But I wouldn't have done that if I would have just worked for my school where it felt comfortable for that summer. See, we are limited in our understanding about what tomorrow holds. But as we submit ourselves... I submit our lives and plans to God. He will guide us. It says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, that we need to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So um, I stole this next part from Francis Chan. So I've got this. I don't know. Can anybody tell what this is? It's a strap for an eno for a hammock. So, but I'm going to use it like a rope today. So, um, you know, when we, without God, we can get pretty knotted up because of misplaced priorities in our lives and trying to make the future happen without God in it. He is the one to meant to determine our paths and to make them straight. But without him, our priorities get all skewed up and we're a little bit knotted like this. I'm sure we all can attest to this in our own lives. And it says, um, the second verse of 14, the second part of 14, it says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. Here, James isn't coming in hot. He's putting us in our place. 
Our existence is temporary. In the morning, the mist covers the countryside. And then before noon, it's gone. I was thinking about while I was looking at this verse, um, going up into the mountains and watching like the dense fog cover everything and you can't see anything. And then within minutes, a great wind appears and blows everything away. I actually, um, a few years ago, went and hiked up to the summit of uh, Craggy Gardens, if anybody's ever been there. And while I was there, I went to go watch the sunrise. So we like left really early, drove up the mountains, got to the top, and we're standing up there and we're waiting for the sun to rise. And all we see is fog just covering the like everywhere. And you're, it was like 360 views and all you could see was fog. So you saw nothing. <laughs> um, and we're sitting up there and I'm, we're waiting for the wind to blow and to change the view. And nothing is happening. I'm so frustrated. And then we decided to leave early. The sun was still kind of rising, but we're like, might as well just go back home or not go back home, but go into Asheville and get breakfast. It's crazy that we're still sitting out here. So we walk down the mountain into the parking lot and in the parking lot is where we saw the sunrise. And it's like we just had to change where we were. Um, but it's crazy because mist and fog is all determined by something else. And it's there and then it's gone. And it does what it wants. And that's kind of how our life is. But some of James's readers were planning as if they were going to be here forever. They were making all of these plans, and they're like boasting about how wonderful their well-laid plans were, not realizing that they weren't going to be here forever and that God could change their plans in an instant. And our second point it is we are spiritual beings who have a temporary experience. So I want you to think of it this way. Our life is like this rope. It's very long. And it's really great for hammocks. Um, But our life on earth is just this much. The rest of our life is spent with our Father in heaven. And when we start, this is the part that I stole from Francis Chan. If we start looking at our life as being this short compared to eternity, it really puts things into perspective for us. Life is short. So seek God's will will, and invest well in it. You know, the, the highest commodity, the best commodity that we have is our time, right? It is how we spend our time, where we put it. So where are we putting our time in the short amount that we have? Death is certain, so live with eternal perspective. And uh, C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. It seems like a strange rule, but something like it can be seen at work in other matters. Health is a great blessing, but the moment you make health your one of your main direct objectives, you start becoming a crank and imagining there is something wrong with you. You are only likely to get health provided that you want other things more. Food, games, work, fun, open air, in the same way, we shall never save civilization along, as long as civilization is our main object. We must learn to want something else even more. So to keep an eternal perspective, it puts everything else into its proper place. The mishaps of today, the broken plans of yesterday, and the big hopes for our future no longer the things that we hang our hat on alone. 
So the other day, while I was isolated because of COVID, I was watching uh, Legally Blonde. <laughs> you guys remember when that movie came out? This was 19 years ago. Isn't that insane? <sighs> so I know it's a very spiritual movie. It has very big theological, <laughs> you know, I know that. So thank you for hanging in there. Um, so if it's been a while, let me give you a quick recap. So the wonderful Elle Woods, who is a stereotypical sorority queen, is dumped by her college boyfriend, and she decides to follow him to law school, where she figures out her true calling. If you remember, she like makes this crazy video, and then the, the people at, I think it was Yale, were like, whoa, yeah, you can come, and she like had nothing actually to get her there except this video. And then she turns out to be a really great lawyer and is really good at what she does. You know, but I just uh, think about the moment that she's like laying in her bed like, wallowing in self-pity about getting dumped by her college boyfriend because she wasn't smart enough or had, like, bigger aspirations. And she thought that that experience was going to determine the rest of her life. She was going to go to college, win her boyfriend back, and everything was going to be good. And that's not what happens. You know, she because she realizes she can become a good wa- lawyer and uh, that her ex and the plans that she had no longer seemed to be the end of the world, earth-shattering thing that she thought it was. When we see the bigger picture, it helps us to put things into proper order. When we see the bigger picture, we see who is actually in the control. So if I were to rewrite the story and like add God into the mix, it'd go something like this. Elle Woods is in college. She's beautiful, doing everything right. Her college boyfriend's like, meh, you're not good enough and dumps her. Elle Woods is wallowing in self-pity in her bed, wondering, what does the world come to? And then God says from up above, Elle Woods, you are my child in whom I'm well pleased. And it tells her that really he's in charge and that he has a better plan in store for her than anything she could ever imagine. And it's to be a lawyer and to save the lady from getting um, accused of murder and to use like all of her knowledge about fashion and hair to make everything better because lawyers don't know anything like that, but her, you know, and that's how I'd rewrite the story because God is the main character in all of our stories. He's the one who's laid out our plans and said, I want you to follow these. And when we decide to veer off his plans to go our own way, we discover that it doesn't work out. And the thing is, though, one thing that I've discovered in my short years of life is that sometimes we didn't invite God into the plans, but when things work well, we're like, we don't need God because it went well did exactly what I planned on doing. And I think that's a very devious trick of the enemy, that we don't need him. So um, I've been listening to this podcast. Um, If you know me, I love podcasts. If you ever want a good one, um, I've got great ones. But I've been listening to this podcast, and it's about, um, it's called Crafting Character. And it's this pastor who, um, he's actually no longer a pastor because something that happened at his church, there was um, some character was called into question of his leaders, and he ended up leaving because he didn't feel like he could follow that anymore. And so he decided to make this podcast about, like, how to be a good preacher. And he said, the thing is, is craft and character are what makes someone a good preacher. You need to be good at talking in public and doing all the things. I know this is very niche for me because I'm a pastor, but... Bear with me. You also need to have the character 
following you along. And I think that's really true in all of our lives. You know, the things that we're good at, um, our charisma will get us very far. But if we don't have our character, our um, basis in God in place, it won't keep us there. And that's why we see so many people um, in big realms of leadership fall. is because their character couldn't sustain them in that place. In verse 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Here's the honest truth, and this is point number three. We are not in control, but God is. So let's just take a moment and realize what that means. It's redefining success. Success for Jesus' followers is not whatever society has deemed it to be. The money or a booming business or a fancy house or that new car, even though I really, really want a Wrangler, or tons of followers on social media, whatever it is. See, I don't have anything necessarily against those things. Like I said, I want a Wrangler, so if anybody has one, they're giving away. Just kidding. Not really, but... If you have any of those things, that's okay. Those things are okay. They're actually pretty great. They make life a little bit easier. But those aren't what define success when you're a follower of Jesus. Success for us is how well did we submit to Christ. It's remembering he is in control and we are not. We must remember that God is sovereign and that we are not that he controls the future. Here's the gosh darn truth. No Christian can live independently of God. So I have a friend. She is a, um, I have to use specific words, so bear with me on this story just because of where she actually is. She is working in ministry overseas. She started her work about three years ago with a full team. Soon after, her leader stepped down and moved on to a different location. Well, her and her other teammates stayed there to do the work they were doing. They actually made this really cool app that helped um, them tell others about Jesus. It was really great. Uh, but then right after that happened and they were able to, like, make this really cool app, her whole team disbanded. And she's now alone in this country by herself learning a language. The crazy thing is she's not learning the language of the country. She's learning the language of the country that she is um, ministering to, which is so weird. Can you imagine being in a country not knowing that language, but you're not even learning that language alone? She feels so alone. We actually um, were talking the other day. She was telling me in the last three years that she's been working here, there, um, she has moved to five different countries. And her stuff is stuck in one country with very little hope to get it out because she got kicked out when the pandemic started and they sent her back home and she had to come back and now her stuff is just sitting in storage because she couldn't take it all with her and so while we were talking she was telling me that she's at her wit's end she feels like there's no one around that can support her there's no one there that the group that she's working with they just like she's just lost in the mix and she's tired and uh, I didn't know how to encourage her because I've never been in that situation before and I just felt like the Lord was Um, guiding me to ask her a few questions. And the questions were, what is your definition of success? Have you been failing this whole time? 
if God asked you to do something that was really hard and it turned out the same way that it's going now, would that mean that you disobeyed him when you did that, even though he asked you to? How can you be faithful in the season that you're at? And I just, I asked these questions and then she had to like think about them. And I am very thankful I'm not in her um, life making that decision for her, but I'm hoping that the Lord guides her well. But it's, it's a good question that we can ask all of ourselves when we're in a hard season or when we're doing something that feels really difficult. And we're like, what is happening? Where is God at in this? He asked me to do this and he's not showing up. Is is he actually showing up, though? Is he showing you that actually you can rely on him? And that sh- him showing up is just giving you strength to carry on? And that sometimes I think this is kind of hard for, this is hard for me to say out loud and for me to hear sometimes. Sometimes the end result might not be anything spectacular. We're great, but God has asked us to follow him no matter what. To keep on doing good, even when it's really hard. To stay faithful no matter what. To invite him in our, to our plans, even when it seems really scary because now we're putting all of the balls in his court and trusting him to carry us through that anyways. For us to return back to our first love and remember that our Heavenly Father is there and He's guiding us and He will always be there. So her story, my friend's story, started with a series of prayers about God's will for our life. And she's following His will right now. And it hasn't been easy She knows that it won't be, and that's hard. But to trust in God's sovereignty is to continue on and audaciously hope for a redeemed future. And that's something we all can hope for. So how would the church look different if each of us chose from this day forward to plan our future with Christ at the center? How would our town look different If our church decided to plan our future with Christ at the center, I would imagine that we would all be a bit braver in our plans because now our plans are just following him and he's going to take care of the rest. And I imagine that when changes come, which they will, we would be happy to pivot. I imagine our town would be a bit more like Christ's because its people were a bit more like Christ. I could go on, but I think you all get the picture. So what does it look like for us to plan the future with God in mind? Here's four steps to consider. The first one is plan prayerfully, asking God for his guidance. God, what would you have me do? Make it obvious. Close the doors that aren't your will. Help me determine what next steps is in your will. Um, or just some things that I would pray. The other thing I always, this is something I encourage uh, young adults, people who uh, just, uh, I run the apprenticeship program at the church. So I, I deal with lots of like young 20-somethings looking to go into ministry. I uh, lead them. It's 
one of my favorite things I do, of course, after being a pastor here. Um, but one thing I always tell them when they're leaving and they're moving on is when you're making plans for your future, if something seems really scary, ask yourself first, why am I scared? If you don't have a good reason, then maybe you should do that thing. Um, I always think about how fear um, there's two things that fear does, right? So one fear is uh, the enemy uses fear to stop us in our tracks and not move us forward, right? But then there's the other fear that makes sure that we don't walk off the edge of a mountain. And both fears exist within ourselves, and so sometimes we need to have the Lord help us determine which fear are we feeling. The next one is plan without making any boastful assumptions. Hold your plans loosely and rely on God for the rest. Remember, a pivot doesn't have to be as stressful as Ross made it out to be in friends. No matter what happens, remember, God is guiding you. So the third one is plan with eternity's views, values in mind and view. Let me try that again. Plan with eternity's values in view. Treasures on earth are fleeting and can be lost in a blink of an eye. God has so much more for us than those treasures. When we align our will with his, what he values eventually becomes what we value. And then the last one is submit your plans to God and allow him to make changes in your plans. So um, I always feel like I have like a good hiking story for you guys when I'm up here. So let me tell you one. That summer when um, I was stuck at home, interning at the church I grew up at, working with the pastor, getting not paid anything, selling plasma and all those fun things, um, one of the things I remember us doing that really stuck out to me is we went to a, um, we went on a camping trip. So it was like his family, me, and there's two other interns at the time. So we all go camping together, and he says to us, okay, I want you guys to go do a nature walk, and not any nature walk. I want you to go and take the next hour, walk, and ask God to show you whatever he wants to. Use nature as maybe a focal point. If you, fo- if you notice something different about something, ask God what he's trying to show you, and go from there. It was a very, very enlightening thing. Well, I decided to leave my phone behind so I wouldn't be distracted by social media and other things. But that also meant I had no way for anybody to contact me. I didn't have a watch. I was uh, making some good choices. Um, And so I walked where I felt guided to walk, which meant so the the way that the the campground worked is this campground's here. And then if you go up this hill or this hill on either side of the campground, you go to like this overlook. And so I grew up in Iowa, right along the Mississippi. So the overlook would be over the Mississippi. It was very beautiful. And he, um, so I decided to take like one of the paths up, not having any idea where it led. I was just following where the Lord wanted me to go. So this one hour trip I was supposed to take (laughs) turned into four hours. And I'm halfway through, and I'm thinking I'm just going to make this large loop. No one knows where I'm at. Everybody's searching for me, and me and Gar are just having, like, the best time we could have. I'm learning so much about myself. I'm learning so much about the season that he's about to send me into because I was about to go to a church way outside of my comfort zone, do something way outside of my comfort zone. I was going to live 24 hours away from my parents Um, for the first time ever. I mean, I lived in North Dakota and Iowa, but 24 hours. 
that's like a whole day. I can't just jump in my car for a weekend. Um, and the Lord was just showing me so much. So I get to the top of the hill, and I'm like, well, I think I'm about halfway to the bottom again. So should I turn around and go back, or should I go forward? And I'm like thinking through this. My legs kind of hurt. It's four hours in. You know, I'm a little tired. And uh, the pastor's wife actually, like, drove up to the top of the hill and found me there. And she's like, oh, my goodness, thank you, God, we found you. I thought you were dead on the side of the road. And I was like, oh, why do you think that? And she then told me it had been four hours. And I'm like, oh, oh, well, okay. And I think God taught me so much in that moment. But one of those things he taught me was when we relinquish control to God, we acknowledge that he is the Lord of our life and the boss of our life. When I relinquished control to him, he took my anxious heart that was upset and frustrated by the change of plans, by what I thought was like a really cool future that then just got dashed to pieces, and he showed me something completely different. And I really think that those conversations I had with him on that hill in Iowa overlooking the Mississippi were what took me through my time in Arizona and brought me to here. So I set out on a walk wanting to connect with God, and I did in more ways than I can imagine. You see, his path is not always the easiest or the shortest, but I can tell you the views are the best around, and the end will be worth it. So I want to end with this quote, but um, I always think this is like the kid's pastor in me, that um, when we sit too long, we get complacent in what we're thinking and zoning out. So what I'd actually like is if everybody would stand up with me while I read this quote. So I just think it's such a significant moment that I want all of us to just lean in and hear. So this is from Mark Batterson. And it says, we live at the intersection of two theologies, two realities. God's faithfulness is pursuing us from the past, and God's sovereignty is bearing down on us from the future. Look back, and it's so far so God. Look ahead, and the best is yet to come. I don't know what your future looks like. I don't know what plans you're planning. I don't know what God has in store for you, but I promise you it's better than you can imagine. So let's all just take a moment today and commit from here on out that we're going to do our best to submit our plans to our Father. Um, as we leave here today, uh, Ron and Carrie will be up front if you need any prayer, if you're, you're looking for some guidance, um, they would love to pray with you. Um, but I just really encourage you, friends, to be courageous And let him help you make your plans. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I'm so grateful that you are in charge. And that, God, our best laid plans cannot even measure up to yours. And I just pray that you'll help us to remember that as we move on from here on out, God. And that, God, that you will um, just be with us in big, awesome ways. And just show us when times get hard where you're at and how you're moving within us, God. I thank you so much for all that you've done, all that you are doing now and what you're going to do. And I just, I just pray that um, you'll help us to see how you're working. In Jesus' name I pray. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.